You're listening to the Crosscheck NHL Show, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Andrew Berkshire and Mary Clark. Hello and welcome to the Crosscheck NHL Show. Thanks for making the Crosscheck NHL Show your first listen every Tuesday and Thursday. We are free and available on all platforms. My name is Mary Clark, staff writer for The Win, and you can follow me on Twitter at Mary C. Clark. I'm here with Andrew Berkshire, NHL analyst for the Montreal Gazette and host of Game Over Montreal on the SDPN. You can follow on Twitter at Andrew Berkshire. On this Tuesday edition of the Crosscheck, American Thanksgiving is approaching and it's gut check time for a lot of teams across the NHL. Next, the Lightning have lost Braden Point to injury indefinitely, but will the Tampa Bay Magic continue without some of their best players? And finally, the Devils alternates have seemingly leaked on social media and, well, they're not great. So, Andrew, before we start today's show, how you doing? I am doing all right. I am excited to chat about hockey. Um, yeah, not too much to report, honestly, Mary. Just a typical Monday, trying to get things together. Had to write a column this morning, and that's pretty much it. Yeah, yeah, I I completely feel that. Uh, it was a busy weekend for me. I went uh, to Penn State uh, for uh, basically a day and a half to see a football game, and it was cold, um, but it was fun. It uh, it was a messy game at the beginning, and then, you know, they turned it around in the second half, and it was much better by the end. But, you know, it was still, it was chilly, and for a little bit, it was not looking good. But it was fun. I had a great time with my family. Uh, got to see, you know, the campus I called home for four years. Um, I had, I, the last time I had been back was before the pandemic. So uh, it was really nice to, you know, just be back on campus and see some things again and, you know, so it's all good, but we're we're in the busy part of my schedule because uh, it's Thanksgiving week. It's American Thanksgiving week, and uh, my family is hosting Thanksgiving this year. So I have a lot of stuff to do between, you know, obviously podcasting duties and work, but also, you know, helping my family get ready for Thanksgiving because we're actually going to have a, ever, like a lot of people over, you know, everybody's vaccinated and whatnot. But last year we didn't. We had it was just the four of us and I think. Uh, my grandfather who was up um, and that was it. So it'll be, it's going to be a busy week and trying to, you know, help out my parents while with my work schedule is, it's going to be a challenge, but uh, I think we're all, you know, excited, or at least I'm excited because I get three days off. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to complain too much. Uh, so just got to get through the next couple of days. But, you know, speaking of American Thanksgiving, um, we're going to hopefully put out two shows this week for you uh, this week. Even though I will not be around on Thursday, we will hopefully record on Wednesday. But American Thanksgiving is a big time in the hockey world. It's it's an unofficial gut check time for a lot of teams because, as the old adage goes, if you are not in the playoffs, or at least you know in the you know the wild card hunt by uh, American Thanksgiving, you are very likely going to be out of it. I don't know the specific statistic, but yeah, it I is... think it was something like if you're more than five points out by American Thanksgiving. It's like only like three or four teams over the last twenty five years have actually made it into the playoffs. Yeah, it's like it's a it's a weird cutoff like that. It's very funny, and I know the most recent team to do it was the St. Louis Blues, who won the Stanley Cup. So not all hope is lost. They were last in the league that year, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Before we actually get into hockey, Mary, I did want to ask you a question. Sorry to like derail you slightly. It's okay. It's okay. I, I had know a perfect, you're hosting. I know. I had a perfect transition lined up. I know. But it yes, was. ask me. We're ask gonna, me a question, Andrew. We're going to stick with the transition because it's still about Thanksgiving. American Thanksgiving. Do most people take the Friday off? Um, 
It depends. I just, the way my schedule works is I have just a three day, three days off for Thanksgiving, Friday, Saturday. Uh, some people do. Um, it, I think it just depends on where you work, honestly, because some people get that full, you know, time off. Like the extra uh, long weekend. Yeah, some people do. My mom is a teacher, so she has Thanksgiving break just from being a teacher. So she gets, um, I think she has from Wednesday to Monday off. So I think it just depends on where you work, really. Yeah. But I feel like most people do. But usually in this line of work, uh, I'm not always so fortunate to get multiple days off like that in a row for um the holidays because it's sports and sports are still happening on holidays yes. like this uh just the way my schedule lined up i was able to get three days off consecutively which is great i'm not like i said i'm not going to complain about it nice because like my instinct is like that americans just don't get great holidays and i look <laughs> at like thanksgiving being a thursday and i'm like if you don't all get the long weekend you're most getting people... played so hard by the holiday being a I feel thursday like most like, people do yeah, because I feel I like just, if you're yeah. extra busy on like the Tuesday and Wednesday getting set to host Thanksgiving, but you're still working and then you have to do this like hectic family thing on Thursday. But if you have to actually go back to work on Friday, man, that must suck. So for <laughs> for Americans who are listening who don't get the Friday, our thoughts are with you. Yeah, because <laughs> it doesn't seem like that relaxing of a holiday. I think a lot of it, like I said, it depends on where you work. Probably if you're, you know, office job, typical nine to five, you are probably getting that like the Thursday through Sunday off. Um, like I said, I I have Thursday through Saturday, so I'll be working on Sunday again, which is fine. I don't. I'm, that's not too bad because uh, there's just going to be football and there's going to be a lot of stuff to do. Um, but still, uh, if you're working like retail, you are probably not getting that Friday off because it is Black Friday. So, um, I obviously our thoughts are with all of you who have to work uh, Black Friday. I thankfully in my retail history have never had to. I've been able to escape working uh, out of retail and never had to work during the holiday season. So, I I completely understand that it is a mess of a time of the year, but. I guess I'll transition back into hockey now that we've had yes, our, you know. Sorry. No, it's all good. It was a good conversation. Um, but back to hockey and Thanksgiving and all things, all things fun. Um, we, there's a couple teams we should talk about here because we haven't really mentioned them. Specifically, the Islanders are a big team we haven't mentioned. And I didn't even realize this until I heard other people talk about it. But they played 13 games on the road. Um until their home opener of their new arena. I didn't realize they were on the road for that long. Uh, maybe it was just me just not paying attention, but I did not realize that they were going to be playing, you know, that many games on the road, but now they've got like 40 some games now in the remaining 70 they've played, they have left to play. So that's neat, but they are not doing great this season. Yeah. As of, as of Monday and didn't Andrew, didn't you pick them? To be your Stanley Cup winner. Yes, I did. It's feeling great, Mary. <laughs> I also had uh, the Golden Knights making the final, and they've been kind of garbage most of the season as well. So looking you're... great. Looking good. <laughs> you're having a great time right now. Okay. But I am. The Islanders have played only 15 games, so there's still room for them to move up. But they are 5-8-2 and two with 12 points. And with the way the wildcard standings are now as of Monday... Philadelphia and New Jersey occupy the two wild cards with 19 points. They're seven points out. They are, Andrew, th that statistic that you mentioned earlier, they are way behind the wild card, you know, bubble. Yeah, and, and I think the bigger thing for them is not even necessarily the points. It's how many teams they have to leapfrog. Yeah, 
I mean, even Buffalo is ahead of them, which is wild. I mean, I know Buffalo was like is, has been like on a bit of a hot streak this season, but they've started to come back down to earth with you know two straight losses. Um, but even Buffalo is ahead of the Islanders right now. I feel like we like there's been so much chaos to start the regular season this year that we just kind of glossed over the Islanders, but they've really disappointed i think this year um which is not what we usually would expect for them i mean they're not like the biggest regular season team but them not being in the mix is pretty surprising in my opinion yeah it's very shocking and the crazy thing is like at even strength they're not even necessarily outdoing their results by that much like they are getting unlucky they're controlling just under 50 percent of expected goals which is not great not terrible, full-on middling, usually not good enough to, like, force yourself into the playoffs. But, like, that 13-game road trip to start the season definitely factors in. And I know that they're also dealing with COVID right now. I think they have six players in the protocol, but they've also lost six games in a row. Yeah, right? as of so, Monday, like, yeah. Yeah, including the first two at their own arena. I really thought that their first game, even though it was against Calgary, who's like really, really strong this season, I thought their first game at home, they were going to come out and just blow the socks off of anyone. You know, like it wouldn't matter who they would face. But they haven't had that swagger this year that you expect from the Islanders, where it's just like really hard to play against them, really tough to get anything going. They've allowed a lot of goals, uh, 47 already in 15 games, which is, you know, over three a game for a team that prides itself on defense. It ain't it ain't a pretty picture, and their special teams aren't very good either. So, like, in all situations, the Islanders are currently controlling just over 48% of expected goals for, which is the same amount as the Ottawa Senators and Montreal Canadiens. That's not good enough. And yep. yes, they're unlucky because they're only getting 40% of the actual goals. But even if they were to get like what they're expected to get, their actual value, that would put them at like 21st in the league, around the same as Nashville. So this is a team that definitely needs to see a bit more. And I wonder if they kind of hurt themselves. Like I thought that it was a good idea as well, looking at just trying to read tea leaves all the veteran presence on the team. They're a very veteran-heavy team. And I thought, you know, this is clear that Lou is going for it. But I wonder if they're just too old. You yeah. Know, like, they don't have many young players on that team. Uh, there's Noah Dobson and Robin Sallow, who I'm not – I haven't watched a lot of Robin Sallow. I don't know much about him, unfortunately. And Matt Barzal and Oliver Wallstrom. And that, that's, like, the only guys under 25. That's – just not good enough for for this for this league anymore, you know. And if their goaltenders aren't going to be excellent, which they haven't been, they need a lot more. And uh, Captain Anders Lee is on in the protocol. Josh Bailey's in the protocol. I think uh, Brock Nelson's been great this year, but other yeah, than him, I don't know if anybody's been great. Brock Nelson is the only player on the Islanders with double digits in points. He has eleven Ooh. points in fifteen games. Everybody else is in single digits. Andrew, it's bad. It's really bad. I mean, we knew that the Islanders weren't going to be a very offense-heavy team, but this is this is like, I mean, partially unlucky, sure, but this is this is bad. I mean, there's no real scores on this team. There, there really isn't. They're lacking such a big element that makes 
successful hockey team so successful why a lot of teams go to the playoffs and I mean the Islanders format for a long time has been that defensive style but after a while the goals will run dry and they are running dry right now in goals and it is not great yeah absolutely and I wonder if this is a a time where like I think we both are of the opinion that Barry Trotz is a phenomenal coach but when you're going through a rut like this and you've gone all in on this roster I do wonder if the defense first approach gets second guessed a little bit in terms of like, you're not actually getting the defensive results anymore and the offense isn't coming along either. Like games played has a big factor in this, right? Cause there's the two COVID shortened seasons, but I, I look at Matt Barzell's power play production, for example, and I worry a little bit because you look back to his rookie year, 27 power play points the next year, still 82 games, 18, The next season, 68 games, 12. So, like, it's about the same as the year before. Last year, 58 games, down to eight power play points. This year, one. One power play point in 15 games. And we can talk about, like, the even strength scoring needs to come up as well. But Matt Barzal should be flirting with a point per game. He is so sickeningly skilled. And I know that he gets more rope to do offensive things than most players on that team. But if he's not getting it done... I just I'm not sure what else to do other than look at the coaching staff and say like something's got to change there. If it's not changing a person on the coaching staff, it's telling them you got to change your approach a little bit. You got to adjust and get some more out of this group because they're they're a team that cannot afford to miss the playoffs. Right? There are some teams where like the Montreal Canadiens they're probably going to miss the playoffs almost certainly, right? And it's devastating for them after the season they had last year. You know, if Boston misses the playoffs, similar-ish situation to the Islanders, but I feel like they've got more young guys coming up. They can kind of rework it for next year. But the Islanders, they have so many players who are up for contract next year. They're already, I believe, fully capped out. And they're old. Yeah. Like, you need to get it done and get it done now. And, man, I just... I'm worried about them if they can if they can't figure this out now, it's gonna be tough. And I know Ryan Pollock that they, they just lost for I think six to eight weeks is what it was. That's a devastating loss as well. So there's a lot going wrong for the Islanders right now, and it's hard to see an easy path out. Yeah, it really is. And a lot of their offense, as you said, funnels through Matt Barzell and when he's not producing especially on the power line. It's just not it's not going to go well and we've seen that. I think the Islanders though are the most di- in the most dire of circumstances right now uh compared to the other teams we're going to talk about. I highlighted Pittsburgh to talk about here because there's a they have a whole bunch of teams to jump up ahead of them even though they are only one point out of the wild card and could very well be in the wild card uh by the time Thanksgiving hits, but um, they we mentioned it. They had a bit of a they had a strong start to the season, you know, weathering the storm without Crosby and stuff. But November has not been a very good month for them. They've lost a, a lot of games, a lot of really ugly losses. Um, have only really started to turn it around recently with two wins. Uh, one of them against Montreal, a six nothing win against Montreal. Um, and then the other night beating Toronto two nothing and shutting them out too. So those are very strong wins. I mean, Montreal, you're going to most likely beat up on regardless. Sorry, Andrew, but. 
No, still no, no, good. Don't apologize to me so, for that. <laughs> I know. <laughs> still good for them to, you know, put up six goals. But Toronto, I mean, with how strong they've been for Pittsburgh to shut them out um, to nothing is a very strong win. But still, a lot of mixed results on this Penguins team this year. I wanted to just touch on it because they're technically still outside of the wild card race. Um, it is getting a little bit better, but they're definitely a team that I don't want to say I'm right in that, that they've fallen off, but they have been pretty up and down and for the beginning of the season it seems like they were going to prove me wrong but things have just not have have not gone well they also much like the islanders have been dealing with covid i think a lot of their players are back now i think uh, at least i believe crosby um and them are all are all back but it just hasn't been it hasn't been as cohesive um in pittsburgh i mean tristan jari is doing okay with a you know a 927 c percentage she's been doing well but there have been moments where this team has just not looked like itself has been, you know, just really showing its age in a lot of ways. So I just wanted to highlight them. I don't know if you have any thoughts on the Penguins, but they're just at least a team I wanted to talk about because I feel like we haven't mentioned them in a while on here. Yeah, I think the Penguins are going to be okay because mm-hmm. their underlying numbers remain very, very strong. I think Crosby has been not the best since he came back, you know, and you I've seen a lot of people compare it to like uh, when he missed 11 months and came back against the Islanders and immediately scored two goals and two assists and had that amazing backhand breakaway goal that still ends up in highlight reels all the time. And people kind of forget that like Crosby's 34 now, right? (laughs) This is his 34 year old season. It's probably not as easy to come back after a long layoff after I believe wrist surgery and then getting COVID like, there's a lot more to battle through to get up to game speed. And he started to look a little bit more like himself against the Canadians, but still kind of quiet. And if they can just kind of tread water until Crosby's back to normal and start moving up the up the, the standings a bit until Malkin comes back, I think they're going to be fine. Like, I didn't think they were going to make the playoffs off the beginning of the season um, or before the beginning of the season. I was with you on that. But just the way that they've played and seeing some guys step up and the fact that Tristan Jari has bounced back, I think that they should hop over like Columbus, New Jersey for sure. And I'm not convinced about the Rangers so far this year either. And honestly, I know you probably don't want to hear it. Not convinced about the Flyers either. Well, we'll see. We're not going to mention them here because they're technically still in a wild card spot. There have been obviously yes. some ups I'm and just, downs. I'm just looking at Pittsburgh's path, right? Yeah, I mean that's fair. That's uh, completely understandable. But yeah. it's it's hard to say the the East is so congested uh, with so many teams. I mean, like I said, Pittsburgh is technically at least on the NHL standings four out from the wild card, even though they're only one point back. It's just the way that they are situated in the standings. They've also played two more games than, you know, Boston and Columbus, but you're right. I don't think like the Columbuses and the, the New Jersey's, I think they'll fall off, um, you know, by the, like by middle end of the season. Uh, so that means Pittsburgh's path to the wild card is a bit easier and they should get a boost when Malkin comes back. It's just, really interesting to see where they've come like how like how different their season has been so far because like I said they started off really hot and you know were really really shocking people with the way that they were playing and then that kind of 
cooled off and they were, you know, playing a lot of messy games and now they're starting to rebound. So that's at least a good sign to see if you're a Pittsburgh fan. Um, I also wanted to highlight one more team um, out West, which is the Dallas Stars, who we also haven't really talked a lot about this season so far. Um, I was trying to highlight a whole bunch of different teams who I thought we hadn't really mentioned, uh, but also were kind of in a little bit of danger depending on how you framed it. Um, Dallas Stars are uh, three points out of the wild card spot, but they're 7-7-2 seven, seven, and two this season. Um, and staring up at Nashville, which we've mentioned a little bit before, but we didn't expect Nashville to be this good. I think they're another team that will probably take a step back. Uh, so Dallas is like Dallas's path to the you know playoffs is probably a bit clearer, but their stars really haven't har har very funny stars. Uh, but they're you know they're the guys that they've relied upon. You know Jamie Ben, Tyler Sagan um, have been kind of quiet off and on this season. Um, I think we were kind of expecting that to happen eventually, but you would hope that, you know, after missing, you know, Tyler Sagan for basically all of last year, you would have thought maybe he would come back and, you know, have a, you know, pep in his step and a jolt, uh, in his game, but he really hasn't for a large portions of this season. So any thoughts on the stars, Andrew, uh, as you know, they stand today. Yeah, I think this is kind of the same situation, not necessarily as Long Island, not to the same degree, but I wonder if they're just like a lot of their stars are getting a little old, right? Like uh, John Klingberg is not old per se, but he's started to fall off a little bit the last year or two. Uh, Essa Lindell is just not great. Uh, Miro Heiskanen is like a really highly talented player, but I don't think he's ever put his game together to the point that he is as good as he looks, right? So they, they need more out of those guys, and you've got almost $20 million in Sagan and Ben, who are now 29 and 32. You know, Joe Pavelski's 37. Alex Radulov's 35. Like, the core of their team is pretty old. And I also wonder, like, again, Dallas's underlying numbers are fine. They're not amazing. They're better than uh, the Islanders, so they, they should be able to move up pretty decently they've gotten really unlucky so far this season they're uh about six points six percentage points lower in goals for percentage than expected goals for percentage so they deserve a better fate but with the stuff that happened last week with riley tuft i do wonder if there's some issues in that dressing room now and if there's a coaching change that's going to be imminent because there's some things like when you're sitting a player that can kind of be glossed over and, you know, players accept. And oftentimes when it's a rookie, the veterans don't really care that much because it's not like you're offending their best friend. It's just some kid and kids just get treated worse in professional sports. It's just the way it goes. But the fact that they waited until he spent his entire, like, call-up money on tickets for family and friends to visit when they went back to his hometown. And then like an hour before the game, he was told he was watching from the press box. I just can't see how that plays well on a struggling team, you know, to it is very Mike Babcock with Mike Medano kind of garbage. And I wonder if that is going to really hurt Rick bonus down the stretch here. And if they do make a change, like I think Rick bonus is a fine coach. I don't think he's amazing, but I think he's done pretty well in Dallas. If they end up, getting a worse coach because of bad personnel management. That's really bad. Yeah. And I mean, I believe he stepped up um, 
in the middle of the 2019-20 season when mm-hmm. we did we did this last time who was the head coach of the stars that left um in the middle of the season due to the like there was like stuff that came out about him and he either retired or stepped down from the team it's really hard to remember this was before the pandemic i'm so sorry but the yeah he went to uh, rehab for alcoholism yes uh so he stepped in and you know did well i mean he got the team to the stanley cup final that year but jim montgomery jim montgomery thank you uh but he stepped up rick bonus stepped up in that regard and you know helped the stars to the stanley cup final they lost against the lightning but still they did he did a very excellent job there but that story i mean obviously you went over it that you know um Riley Tuft was benched like an hour or so before the game after spending all his money to get his family and friends there uh, really leaves a bad taste in your mouth. Um, Obviously, I think if the stars continue on this middling pace, um, I think his job might be in jeopardy just, you know, based on what the stars, I guess, expectations were. I really was expecting them to at least have a bit more of a jolt in them this year, but they really haven't. Um, So I could possibly see him, you know, on the hot seat um and that incident with the rookie could very well be another factor um especially if you said that's you know starting to become a locker room divided um but i hope that they have more in them because i think that they're a fun team um i like a lot of their players i mean you're right they're getting old and that sucks but i was hoping that they could delay their you know falling off a cliff and getting old part for at least another season or two so we could have seen what you know, because they got to the Stanley Cup final and then last year they, you know, had a whole bunch of injuries in the COVID shortened season and it just didn't pan out. And then, you know, they, they haven't been able to recapture that magic. And that's kind of been sad to me because I enjoyed their run um, during the 2019-20 season. It's just a shame that it fell apart in the way that it, it did. I mean, Montreal is in a similar boat in that regard. Yeah, the, the I think the lesson is the Cinderella teams that make the final are far less likely to repeat success than the Stanley Cup champions. Yeah, exactly. All right, so uh, speaking of Stanley Cup champions, up next we're going to talk about the Tampa Bay Lightning. And uh, it seems as if history is repeating itself with uh, their their stars and, you know, injuries. But will they be able to recapture that magic for a third time? We'll find out right after this. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows, you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friend's login for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle, and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, so you can watch your favorite movies, shows, sports, uh, all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes, and no need to buy another device ever again. The best part? There's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. All right, Andrew, like we were talking before uh, we went to break, the Tampa Bay Lightning are starting to pile up injuries again. Um, Braden Point is now out indefinitely with an upper body injury, and he was one of their big, big playmakers so far this season. Um, and as you all know, Kucherov has been out uh, since late October, and he's out, I believe, until mid-December at the earliest. Maybe won't even see him in the rest of the 2021 calendar. So the Lightning, we've been we've been here before with them, had injuries, you know, and they've still been able to make it to the playoffs. They've had a middling season, but have kind of turned it on towards the end. Uh, so far this year, they're currently third in the Atlantic with... Um, 
with 23 points, only four behind the Toronto Maple Leafs, and they have three games in hand. Are they going to do it again? Are the Lightning going to defy all the odds, and even with all their a lot of their stars out, are they going to continue playing really well, Andrew? Because I don't know if I can take it for a third year in a row. Uh, I'm not convinced that they can weather this as easily as they have in recent years. I will say that they are very lucky that the Montreal Canadiens suck. <laughs> They're very lucky that what the Detroit Red Wings are doing is unsustainable because as it is right now, there's a top four that's very defined in that Atlantic division. So all they really have to do is be better than the fifth best metropolitan team. Like that's, that's the goal for them this season. And with Vasilevsky still there, with Victor Hedman still there, with their defense core intact, it's probably doable. I don't think it's very likely that they're going to miss the playoffs, but this is definitely without Blake Coleman, without, you know, Yanni Gord, without Barclay Goodrow, this is a thinner team than we've seen in the past. So like Anthony Sorelli becomes very, very important suddenly. You know, like Steven Stamkos is going to be asked to do more than he's had to do for the last several years, which is basically he's turned into like a mostly only offense guy, a guy who does power play stuff. This year, he's actually had a spectacular start to the season, 19 points in 17 games, but he's going to have to start carrying the bag defensively as well. And he's just not really been used to that the several last several seasons. You know, Alex Killorn becomes very important is he going to start falling off a little bit at age 32? Questionable, right? So there's a lot of stuff here that is, like, they still have a really good team, which is insane that they <laughs> can lose all these guys and still have a very good team. But their defense core is relatively untouched. They still have one of the better goalies in the league. I think they're going to be fine. I don't think this is a situation where they're going to make the playoffs and be able to run all the way to another cup again. I think they're just going to be a good playoff team and probably win the first round might struggle to get past that because eventually you have to think fatigue sets in and with another short summer, like you can see it. All the teams that made the conference finals last year really have started off the season slow. And that maybe that should have factored into our Islanders discussion as well, that all those teams have started really slow. So the cumulative injuries it's it's a tough thing, but uh, I, I just don't think that they're as good as they were last year. You look at their underlying numbers, and they're only controlling 48.8% of expected goals in all situations. That's not the Tampa that we know. Yeah. They're getting a little bit better than that, in like about 51% in actual goals, which like it makes sense that they outperform their expected because of the high level of talent when Kucherov and Point and Stamkos are all there. But when those guys aren't, it makes less sense. You know, it's it's only really Vasilevsky that can make the defensive impact to push them above expected. And I don't know. I, I think that they're going to be pretty up and down this season until those guys come back. I know that there's a lot of people who are making jokes about, oh, well, they're going to come back just in time for playoffs again. And Kucherov <laughs> will be out the whole time. I don't think they can afford to do that this year. I think maybe and make the playoffs barely, but it's much more touch and go than it has been. Yeah, they're really going to be tested this year. Yes. I mean, this is the biggest test I, we, like, I don't want to say biggest because they, you know, went to back-to-back -back Stanley Cups and won. So It's I guess the biggest maybe... regular season test. Yes, exactly. Right? Because they, for a long time, they have been kind of the kings of the regular season. They, they've been, you know, pretty automatic. They've, I mean, they've basically just been able to coast at some points during the regular season. Now they're fighting tooth and claw for, 
you know, staying in top three in the Atlantic and depending on how the rest of the East shakes out, it could be a wild card spot, just depending on the strength of the rest of the teams around them. Uh, and we haven't had that for a very long time. I mean, even the year that they got, you know, swept out of the the playoffs, they were a historic regular season team that year. So it's been a very long time since we've had a non-dominant lightning team in the regular season, which, you know, has meant like teams like, you know, Florida and Carolina have stepped up in their place, which has been really, really awesome to see and really fun. Uh, but this is clearly the end of the lightning's era here. And I mean, we've all predicted at the beginning of the season that they weren't going to, you know, go going to three Pete and stuff like that. It was pretty obvious, but this is, you know, this is just another hurdle for them to have to overcome. Um, so we'll see. I, I still find their team incredibly fun. They're able to squeeze so much out of their players um, time and time again, but it, it might not be enough this time because their depth is much thinner. I mean, the Blake Coleman's and the Barkley Goudreau's, they're gone. They're, you know, they had to break them up because of the salary cap. It would have been cool if they could keep them, but that's just kind of how the NHL works, sadly. But, I mean, they've still got Andre Vasilevsky, who hasn't has had an up-and-down season, has not looked like his usual dominant self, but... He, it's still in there. I mean, maybe he's, you know, dealing with fatigue like the rest of the team, because as you said, every team that was in the conference finals last year has had a slow start, and maybe that's impacting the Islanders too. But, I mean, the Islanders have their own set of problems, but they, they still have championship pedigree here. So I, I, I don't see them falling off a cliff and not being competitive for the rest of the season. Maybe they'll take a dip just a little bit without Braden Point, because like I said, who knows when he's coming back, he's out indefinitely. But still, the, this team is a championship pedigree team. They're not going to just fall over and die. Um, yeah, and I think the benefit that they have is they know they don't have to win a division, right? They know they have confidence in themselves that they can just get in and they're not going to be afraid of anyone. Because how could they possibly be afraid they, they of They went back team? to back Stanley Cup champions. Like, yeah, there, there's no team in the league that has swagger like the Lightning. Exactly. Um, and it's been it. It's just like I said, the, their struggles have kind of opened the door for other teams. You know, like I said, Florida has been fantastic this season. Carolina has kind of gone under the radar, I think, as a really exciting team. I think a lot of the reason they went under the radar is because their um, their, you know, scrappy underdog, lovable underdog status has kind of been, um, you know, punctured. But yeah, punctured, taken. I didn't want to say taken away because they did it to themselves. But their, like I said, their scrappy underdog personality doesn't really feel scrappy and underdog like when they've you know done the things that they've done and added players like Tony D'Angelo uh, to their roster. So it's I think the reason that they've kind of flown under the radar is because we're kind of like, eh, do we really? They're not the same lovable team anymore. But I mean, maybe Florida is kind of the the lovable team now because you know. They're leading the league, which is, of all the Florida teams, I mean, there's only two of them, but of the two Florida teams, who could have picked this? I think you did, Andrew, though. I think you said Florida was going to be maybe winning the Atlantic. I'm trying to Yeah, I did, I did pick that. So that's my one that's working out yeah, well so Yeah, so that's far. nice. I mean, yeah. don't, don't, just don't look at the Islanders, really. Yes, just, just avoid eye contact with the Islanders, especially Islanders fans who will probably blame me. But that's okay. I can take it. I'm all right with that. We, we already talked about how our predictions are just for fun. Yeah, predictions are just for fun, and we're, I'm notoriously terrible at them. And I think this has just been a really like upside down season for the most part. I mean, teams we thought would succeed have kind of struggled. I mean, we've, we've talked about, you know, 
the avalanche, you know, the Golden Knights are starting to come back into their own. But, I mean, the Lightning, like, there's a lot of teams that we thought, you know, would be the per- are the perennial powerhouses, and they've struggled. Meanwhile, you know, teams that haven't really gotten their time in the spotlight, you know, the Florida's, the Carolina's, Calgary, um, like, they've, you know, taken the spotlight this year. I mean, you still got, you know, your old faithfuls in Washington who's kind of surprised people with, you know, still maintaining, you know, talk about one of be- being one of the oldest teams in the league. They're still finding success because Alex Ovechkin is a machine and an incredible player. Um, but, you know, you've got your Staples, your Torontos, your Edmontons. So, but I think that's all we've got for this segment with the Lightning. I know we kind of transitioned to the, you know, NHL talk at the end. But we're going to end off, I guess, the hockey portion of today's episode after this break. Talking about the Devils alternate jerseys have leaked. And people have jokes, Andrew. I, the, <laughs> the jokes are, the jokes are really funny uh and i i think new jersey should have seen this coming but we will talk about that coming up right after the break it's thanksgiving and we know what that means football and nothing goes better with football than turkey and betting bet online has you covered all holiday season more props odds and lines than ever before bet online remains your number one spot for all the sports action this thanksgiving head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus with promo code locked on to receive your bonus. And it's not just football. Bet online has pro and college hoops, NHL, boxing, UFC, and even your favorite Vegas casino games. So don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online. We're stuffed with deals this Thanksgiving. Promo code locked on. Man, all the ads, Andrew, are Thanksgiving related. I mean, it makes sense that that, that makes sense why, considering, you know, Thanksgiving is, like we said, right around the corner. So, but I wanted to end off today's episode, at least the hockey talk, because we still got our pop culture segment, uh, with a small segment about the New Jersey Devils alternate jerseys, which just say Jersey on them. And then people. Yeah, oh, my God. I mean, the Jersey designs in general, the, the it's just bad. It's uh, not inspired. It's we'll not. Say that. Yeah, it's not inspired. It looks. Yeah, I I don't even know how it looks. It just looks very bland. There's nothing. There's no like devil's like paraphernalia on it. It just says it just says like a bunch of white stripes. And it says Jersey in a script font. And I like script fonts, to be fair. But this one. Oh, was, I, I hate. I know. We've talked. <laughs> we talked about this. To me, it reminds me of, you know, college hockey and stuff like that. But I like script fonts. But this is bad. It just says Jersey on it. So then, you know, people were memeing on it with, you know, I wonder what their helmets will look like. And helmet just says helmet. Just say helmet. And their yeah. pants say pants and stuff That's like perfect. that. Yes. So it is really good. So I definitely, um, you know, recommend you looking up the memes. Because they're, the, they're funny. But the jerseys are terrible. But. I wanted to bring this up because I wanted to talk about bad jerseys, bad alternates in the NHL, specifically because I wanted to call out the Flyers with their black alternates, which I think for one of their, you know, stadium series games, their black alternates with black lettering on the orange nameplate. And I hate that. It's not readable at all. It's terrible. I just, I do not like it. So Andrew, do you have jerseys, alternate jerseys, just any any NHL jerseys in general that you absolutely hate and are think are terrible design? Because... These Devils alternates are up there with, I think, yes. the worst in the NHL. They, the thing is, I feel like they're not obscenely ugly. They're just so plain. They're uninspired. uninspired. Yeah. Yeah. They're just awful. Now, the Flyers Stadium Series jersey is, it to me, it just looks like a practice jersey. Yeah. I think, and I, I wonder if, like, 
do Jersey designers need to be talked to by broadcast people and be like, listen, we have to be able to see it on TV because I don't know if it's a problem with orange specifically, but it's that one and the Oilers orange Jersey. You cannot read that on TV. Like it's just awful. And in person, I don't despise the Oilers orange Jersey, but on TV it's awful. And it's not even their worst one. That navy blue and orange one with no white yes. is a Walmart jersey. Yes. That's what it looks like to me. It's, it's so, so terrible. Especially when you have like their reverse retro. The Oilers reverse retro jersey, the white one with the orange shoulder piping and the orange letters in the back is so gorgeous. And their classic blue and orange with the lighter, like, royalish blue with the orange shoulders is so beautiful. It's one of my favorite jerseys in the whole league. I, I think this is the thing that annoys me the most is when teams have exceptional jerseys and they just ruin them. Like, I know you wrote down in the doc the uh, Colorado Avalanche w- weird triangle jersey. Do you yeah. mean the one that's a kind of a shout out to the Colorado Rockies or their stadium series one from... 2020 because that also was a weird triangle one the one that looked like a bib um it's the it's the one i guess that's maybe the rockies one is just as a giant triangle in the middle with the sea i because i yes, like okay i like the avalanche like i like their colors i like i like some of the ideas they go with but that triangle jersey is just very strange to me i don't know what i, it, I think there's just i think it's too busy i think that the the triangle is too busy because it's got the triangle. It's got the like little snow cap at the top. And then it's got, you know, the iconic Colorado Sea. I think it's just a little bit too busy for my taste. And then the rest of the jersey is just kind of a little blocky. I don't know. It just, to me, that just it is stood out as just a very odd jersey. I like the colors. That's the problem is I just think the design is a bit too all over the place and what it's trying to do. It's very modern. And yeah. while I like the colors because they're very pleasing to my eye, I just can't get over that triangle in the middle. I just don't like that triangle. Colorado has a history of like pleasing color palettes, but overly busy jerseys. Yes. And I don't like script jerseys, but I think my favorite Colorado Avalanche jersey is the light blue with the maroon shoulder caps script jersey. And I wish they would just put the logo on that one and sell it. Mm-hmm. Like it's from like 2009 to 2015, I believe. I'm just looking at the the NHLuniforms.com, and you can get like the whole shebang. I really like that color scheme with a little bit more blue and using the maroon as an accent as a third jersey. I like the the maroon as the main color for the main jersey because it's unique and they've done it the whole time. And I love when teams are willing to not use navy blue or red or black <laughs> as their main color because. Almost nobody does. Uh, other bad jerseys. We have I mean, to shout not... out the. I have to shout out the Lightning's terrible black jerseys that are just black jerseys, oh, and then the Islanders uh, when they had their black jerseys with that weird with the weird Islander. I don't know whatever that Islanders logo they used for. It was just bad. It was very. Was it bad. the Brooklyn Nets one? I don't know, but it was very bad. Just do not do. I think I don't mind the LA Kings black jerseys because they at least have something going for them with them when when teams do black jerseys they all they just seem to forget the like white exists they always yes. seem to default too to black too black with just their logo as white and nothing else or in the flyers instance it's black and orange with very little white you need white to set it like to set it apart but and that's again, why i think the king's, the king's jerseys are at least not terrible they're not very inspired but they're at least like 
they're at least pleasing to my eyes. It was just black and white and gray. That's you yeah. can't go wrong and with that. The King's third jersey this year is a throwback to the nineties, right? Like the Gretzky years where they have like the the different shaped logo with like the two pieces and it's King's written through the middle. I like their use of gray on the arms on that one. It it cuts up the white a little bit. Yeah. However, speaking of the Kings, how on earth can you have the reverse retro jersey that you had last year, which is spectacular, absolutely spectacular, and not use it? That purple and gold jersey. I mean, they should just what? go back to that purple and gold all the time. They, they they should, but like, I love the combination of that purple and gold jersey with the '90s logo. It's the best jersey they've ever had, and I wish they would just bring that back into circulation and just stick with that as their main jersey because that is a team that is too stuck in the identity that they had when they won cups. The, yeah, when they won the Stanley Cup. Yeah. And those jerseys, they don't do anything for me. The logo doesn't do anything for me. The color scheme doesn't do anything for me. I hate the, like, just L.A. with the tiny little the, logo yeah, in the crest. Yeah, the shield. Like, ugh. Yeah, ugh. It's, it's very modern. And I don't, like I said, I, I like, I don't mind their, like, black jerseys. Or they, I don't know if they still have them. Like, they're just, they're, the shield logo is bad. I agree. I just, I don't mind your basic black white and gray that's not at least offensive to me in the way that you know the like oilers orange jerseys are they don't assault my eyes with how bad their color scheme is but you're right the kings need to go back to that old era of the the purple and the yellow and they need to use those reverse retro jerseys because they were phenomenal Uh, i hope that they do eventually you know rebrand because a lot of hockey teams do go through that rebrand i mean we saw it with the senators going back to their flat logo and their you know their logo and their jerseys are now so much better because they're not you know based on that terrible 3d logo that everybody hated so yeah i just it there's a lot of really bad jerseys I'm, and, and i know you put in here the stars neon jerseys uh that reminds me of uh tron because <laughs> yeah i mean I, I put that in as a question mark because i just wanted to ask you how you felt about them because i'm of two minds with that jersey. I think when I first look at them, I'm like, all-star game looking ass jersey. But I kind of like the logo inside the Texas silhouette. I don't know if that's a unpopular opinion, but I kind of like it. And the fact that they've taken away a lot of the 3D detail from their main jersey, which is like, I feel like they were onto something with their green jersey. Brightening it up, which I like. I like the color, the logo... I understand what they're going for with like the what do they call them little the little spike on the heel that you use in horse riding oh a spur yeah spur that's like clearly what it's going for right like it's the texas it's the stars but like there's something that doesn't quite work so i like that they're tweaking it i like the idea of the texas shape the state shape in the silhouette and the flat d but I don't like the neon and the black. It yeah. just, it seems like you're trying to capture like 90s rave. And I understand that neon came back for a little bit, like not too long ago, and some of it looks good. But I, I just, again, I feel like points for effort, but it doesn't quite work for me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't, yeah. I, I, it doesn't work for me. I, I like them on their own when they're just, being modeled by a player off the ice or when they're like all on the ice together but when you pair them up with another team's jerseys because that's a lot of what you're looking at in hockey games is the color combinations between the two teams that are playing 
I can't find any color combination that would make these Stars jerseys acceptable to look at during a game of hockey. Like, I just, I haven't been able, I think the Stars wore them when they played against the Flyers um, earlier this season, and I was like, oh, this is miserable, because the the Flyers' whites with the orange, it just, it clashed so violently, and I was like, this is not a very pleasing-to-the-eye hockey matchup in terms of, like, the visuals. Um, So I, I understand what they were going for here, and I like the, you know, tweaks to the, you know, the logo that they have. And even just in a vacuum, I don't mind it that much because, you know, it does bring me back to the 90s. I am, you know, I'm a 90s kid. I'm kind of nostalgic for that. But on the ice against another team, they just don't work. And it is it is a yeah. shame because I, I do appreciate that they tried to do something different. But, you know, it, a lot of these things don't really work out. Uh, there's hardly, well, not to say there's hardly any good jerseys, but usually the ones that are good are, you know, either return to, you know, historical roots or just a very simple, not too busy look, and a lot of teams cannot figure out how to do the simple, not too busy look well for some reason. Yeah, it, I find it's especially offensive though when it's a team that does do the simple and not too busy look well in their normal jersey, and then you bring in just such a low effort. And I think this is why the, the New Jersey one is such a disappointment. Like the New Jersey Devils logo is fantastic it's great design it does multiple things at once it fits the team the jersey itself is iconic i do like it when they bring back the green a little bit it's very oh the christmas tree jerseys it's it is it's a christmas tree jersey yeah. and the reverse re- retro one was even more christmas jersey last year where it was like green was the main color instead of the red but i like when they bring that back sometimes it, it just looks good but i like the red and the black i think it fits their identity well it's it's like simple, it's not too busy, and then they bring this low effort garbage that's like just so clearly a cash grab. And I just it's the same as the Jets last year, right? When they put out their stadium series jersey and it was like, let's make it dark gray. Yeah. It's just so ugly. Like you can tell some teams put a lot of thought into it and some teams don't. And then there's some teams like the Colorado Avalanche who just want to be like as offensive as possible and make a beautiful jersey, which is their Nordiques Colorado jersey, but it's just wrong to do it. Mm-hmm. I know we have to wrap up this segment, but you saying the Winnipeg Jets jerseys reminded me of they have one of like they have an alternate jersey where it's just that powder blue with the Jets script. Yeah, hate it. I know everybody hates that jersey, but I love it because that blue is so pleasing to my eye. I love the that. blue is great. I love that color blue so much. Oh, it's such a pretty. If I could like live in this color blue, I absolutely would. It's so pretty to me. Just take that blue and put the '90s Jets logo on it. That's mm. all you got to do. Yeah, that's all you got to do. I mean, that's fair. I I li- when it's just a simple fix, you know? I like the script, as we all know, but I don't think we'll ever agree, I think, on that point. But just That's that okay. shade of blue is just perfect to me. It's so, oh, like looking at it now, I'm just so happy. Like, it's just, oh, it's a perfect shade of blue. All right. So I think we're done talking Jersey. So uh, after the break, we're going to talk a little bit of pop culture and then send you guys on your way. Um, so we will be back right after this. I love Thanksgiving. All the good foods. Food and treats, and plenty of them. But maybe you want a yummy dessert, but one that isn't so full of calories and sugar. It's the perfect time for Built Bars. Built Bar is the new holiday dessert. Feast on something delicious and feel good about it. One slice of pie is upwards of 300 calories, and that's on the low end. Most Built Bars are only 130 calories and only 4 grams sugar, with plenty of protein. Replace the coconut cream pie with a coconut Built Bar. Or go for a raspberry Built Bar instead of that raspberry pie. 
Lots of good flavors to replace any pie. Low calorie, low carb, low fat, high protein. Covered in 100% chocolate and soft and easy to chew. Built is a great option for when you're hungry. If Thanksgiving isn't coming soon enough, go for a Built Bar or two. Share some at your family gatherings. It will make things less awkward. Maybe Aunt Betty hasn't tried a Built Bar yet. New surprises all month. Limited time flavors arriving at Built.com regularly, so check the site often. There's nothing like a Built Bar Black Friday. Mark your calendar. Black Friday will also be a huge event with all sorts of surprises. So go to Built.com and use the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, Andrew, I'm going to have you take over the pop culture segment because my my cat is doing something behind me and I haven't been able to look away from my screen and I know she's playing with something she shouldn't have. So please tell us what you're what you've consumed in pop culture wise while I go see what my cat is up to. All right. Uh, unfortunately, not a lot. Um, I decided uh, this weekend that I would take some time and catch up on Survivor with my wife because we are one of those people who still watch Survivor after 20 years. And uh, the new season is terrible and has a lot of annoying people and a lot of annoying twists that they didn't need to put in. And uh, my big takeaway was what they need to do to save that show is do one final season. But every contestant, instead of being a random person, is a reality TV show host. And they play for charity for like a $5 million prize to their best charity or whatever. And Jeff Probst, who hosts Survivor, actually has to play Survivor. And the first thing that happens is he gets voted out because it would be extremely funny. Yes. But we were I was talking with a friend of mine who also watches Survivor still. And we were saying, like, oh, who would we get to be on it? And I was like, the easiest person in the world to get on Survivor would be Gordon Ramsay. Because you'd just, like, call him up and be like, we don't think you could do it. <laughs> and he'd be like, oh, okay, 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 I'm on. And then you put Jamie Oliver on the other side. And it's just, like, instant aggression. So I think they need to do it. I think this is – it's going to be a hell – hellish insurance thing for them i'm sure but they got to steal this idea from me and do a, a full survivor season of only reality tv show hosts i'd actually love that i don't even watch reality tv but i think that actually be really funny uh just, yeah just get rupaul out there yeah just for just for the you know the memes the the fun times uh but that that sounds you know i'm sorry that survivor is disappointing you I've, i think i may have only watched it like a couple of times growing up i was i'm not really a big reality tv person uh, so no, I watch like that and I watch Drag Race with my wife as well. And that's mm. that's all I've got for reality TV. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, I don't know. I've never I've never enjoyed it. I know a bunch of people, you know, go bananas over, you know, The Bachelor and The Bachelorette. I mean, that's great. I'm glad you guys have a good time. It's just never been for me. But I'm glad people enjoy reality TV because it definitely has a big market. Um, as for me, I was super busy this weekend, but uh, the new uh, a new Pokemon game dropped, the uh, Pokemon Diamond and Pearl remakes, uh, and I've been having a fun time playing them because I remember playing those on my DS as a kid in my parents' car on the way to, you know, I don't know, somewhere. And, you know, uh, over the weekend when my parents were driving up to Penn State, I brought my Switch and was able to recreate that, you know, backseat car magic playing video games. So that was you know, really cool, just as a bit of, you know, a nostalgia moment for anybody who's, you know, ever played video games in the backseat of your parents' car uh, while going on a long trip. Uh, so that was very nice. Um, but, you know, just playing video games, um, trying to catch up on things like TV. Um, this season of Doctor Who has actually been really spectacular in a way I wasn't expecting. Um, it's not perfect, but it is it is a fun time, I must say. Um, and I've mentioned it before. It's like a shorter season. It's only six episodes in. So we've got the final two episodes left to go. Um, and it is just, it's just been a real, it's been a real treat. 
Um, I, it's hard to recommend for a new person because it relies so much on the Doctor Who mythos as a whole. But it's it's fun. I mean, I think you'll, I think in the show itself that they explain things pretty well. But I definitely recommend it if you were kind of holding off on anything Doctor Who related for a while, just because people fall in and out of the show all the time. Just you know, with showrunners changing, doctors changing, you know, the cast changing, and all that. I definitely recommend this because it's just it is a wild ride from start to hopefully finish. But yeah, that is that's all I have, Andrew. You have anything else to say to the people before we let them go? No, I'm I'm good. Unfortunately, not much uh, ability to watch much pop culture stuff this weekend. Yeah, that that is how it is. Um, it you know it. We're busy. We're adults. We've got lives. It's some. It's sometimes hard to you know do all the pop culture things. Um, also, we're kind of in a little bit of a dull period. Uh, but I'm sure that will pick up next month when we've got you know a bunch of Marvel stuff to talk about. So I am I'm sh- actually you know what I watched uh, the making of Shang Chi or Shang Chi sorry on Disney Plus that was decent. Oh really? Neat. Yeah, recommend. All right, highly recommend. Cool. That might be something I check out. But we're definitely going to do a giant spoiler cast of uh, the Spider Man films. Spider Man. Yes. When that comes yes, out, so you, so we, you will be you will be warned. Spoilers galore when we get to that point, but that won't be for another couple of weeks. But that's all we have for you today on the Crosstrek NHL Show. It's part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Make sure to follow us on your podcast platform of choice, from Apple to Odyssey to Spotify, and rate and review us while you're at it. You can follow the pod at Crosstrek NHL on Twitter, me at Mary C Clark on Twitter, and Andrew at Andrew Berkshire on Twitter. Thanks for making the Crosstrek NHL Show your first listen every Tuesday and Thursday. We'll be back on Thursday with some more puck talk. But now, make your second listen, Locked On Bets. Locked On Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked On Bets is hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling.